is the Bittersweet and Twisted Records podcast with Vince and Bobby. I'm Vince. I'm Bobby. And welcome to our most recent episode, because I forgot what number we're on. I think this is number six. six. I think. Ooh, perfect six, number. Uh, well, if well, if we'd stuck to our original plan of this being the Halloween special, we could have said this was episode 666. Ooh. But, um, you know, things got in the way and delayed recording, but here we are. We're going to make a um, more of an effort to get on a regular schedule because we know I we know that s- these episodes seem to drop rather um indiscriminately <laughs> um so we're gonna try to keep up with a schedule of the first and 15th of every month yes I don't know how successful we're gonna be we with that but we're gonna try so I mean so this episode will probably be up on November 1st mm-hmm um, like I said, it was originally going to be our Halloween special, but things got in the way. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure November 1st is the Day of the Dead. Well, you should look I'm that up. I'm going to look right now. So, um... Yes, it's November 1st through the 2nd, so there we go. Still kind of a spooky... So it's our, um, Day of the Dead episode. There we go. Um, <laughs> where at is it Day of the Dead? The Day of the Dead is celebrated in Mexico, I, I believe. I thought it was like in the summer or something they had it. No, that is... Am I singing, thinking Cinco de Mayo? Oh, gosh. You're going to have so many people writing you in. Yeah, this is the remembrance of the loved ones who have passed away. Oh. And for once, I'm doing an album where I'm not talking about any dead people. I know. That's surprising. But Usually when I do this, there's at least one or two dead people <laughs> to talk about. Right. This is a, it's a Southern Mexico uh, or Mesoamerican celebration and southern mexico meant to guide the spirits of the departed loved ones in the afterlife oh okay yes all right so um so for our um day of the dead special <laughs> i'm going to talk about alice cooper's 1975 solo debut album welcome to my nightmare yep and i'm going to talk about dax riggs um album we sing only of blood or love that was released in 2007 for some reason i thought you were going to say dax shepherd oh gosh no i know the difference there's a big difference there's a huge difference (laughs) all right so before you get into that what do we have to ask of people to like subscribe share follow us go to all our media pages instagram which are all linked at bittersweet and twisted twisted records.com and if you're on youtube or any of the other platforms where you're listening to this if you could leave us a positive review that would be awesome yeah we don't want no negative reviews because if you leave us positive reviews it helps with us getting this podcast seen and heard and if you do Anything negative, you must remember what your mother should have taught you. If you don't have anything nice to say, go fuck yourself. I don't think that's what she would say. I'm said. pretty I'm sure that's what she said. I don't think so. I mean, my mom would never say that, but... My mom would have. Yeah. Some people, like I was going to say, some people's moms <laughs> would, but... Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, Lipe's... Lipe. Mm-hmm. I always say Lipe for some reason. And usually we edit it out, but I'm going to leave it in this time. Okay. So, like, subscribe, follow, share. Yes. All that stuff. Check us out on Instagram and yes, I guess Facebook when I feel like posting there. Yes, and we're gonna do hopefully a little more variance to our podcast, and 
talk of other things like we're doing this evening where we're talking about not necessarily albums that we have found in the bargain bin, Mm -hmm. but albums that have just reminded us of either Halloween or something kind of That's what we're doing this one. Or just just records we just thoroughly love. Yes, absolutely. Because our next episode, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say what the titles are yet. Right. But I'm doing an album with just incidentally with some of Bargain Bin. Mm -hmm. But it's an album I've loved for 31 years now. Wow. And... Yeah. So you know, it, it could it, it's it could cover two different bases. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be an album. We should do like uh, we'll do like things like albums we love. There we go. We're trying to branch out a little bit. We want to be able to get, um, you know, everyone to listen, um, and hopefully you'll find something that you're interested in. One of our um, uh, episodes might interest you or interest someone <laughs> that you may know, and um, you know. So we're, we know we're just starting, but we're still trying to find our way. And It's funny, this episode, usually I'm the one doing the more obscure act, mm-hmm. and Bobby's doing the more yeah. mainstream known act, because mm-hmm. I think it was last episode I did Sabotage, and this yeah. last one you did Blondie. Yep. Yep. And this one I'm doing Alice Cooper. Yeah. And you're doing Dax Riggs. Yep. Yeah. And our next one is going to be the same way, too. Yeah. I'm doing an album that sold millions of copies. Yeah. And she's doing an album that most people don't know exists. That's true. So. Yeah. So without any further babbling from me. That's right. I'm going to hand this over to Bobby. Okay. So she can discuss her album. Yes. Thank you. So, um. So, yes, yeah, so like I said, I'm doing Dax Riggs. We sing only of Blood or Loved. And might I add, this is my signed copy. Oh, look fancy. at that. Yes, very fancy. Um, but I'm going to start with a little opener, opening that if you go on to DaxRiggs.com, you will see this um, quote. And I'm, he didn't say specifically who's on there, who said that quote, but I really liked it. And it kind of describes him a little bit if you don't know any him or his style of music so from the swamps of southern louisiana comes the apocalyptic folk rock of dax riggs starting with the teenage death metal of acid bath on through the gothic dixie fries trash rock of dead boy and the elephant man dax has opened for artists as diverse as queens of the stone age to leon russell like lead bed like Lead Belly with a devil, devil on his back, outsider music for young dying radios in the basement at the end of the world. I really like that. I thought that was kind of cool. That is pretty cool. So, and I will touch on a little bit of those other bands that I mentioned in that opening. But so this specifically, this album here, um, this was Dax Riggs' debut solo album um, that was released in August 2007 on the label Fat Possum. It was produced by Dax and Matt Sweeney. And Matt Sweeney, um, he's also a musician as well as a producer. He was the guitarist in the past band Zwan. Oh, is that the Billy Corgan band? Yeah, that's the Billy Corgan band. So, right. So that's who he was. So that's a little... That's interesting. ...tied into that. So yeah, which Billy Corgan is um, from the famed Smashing Pumpkins. Um, But yeah, so that was their, their, their band. Um, so I'm going to take you on a little side trip to give you a little bit of history. About, oh, no. Yes, here we go. About Dax. Oh, Bonnie's so, making a side trip. I am. <laughs> side know, trip. Yeah. We were joking earlier that when either of us 
um, make these little side trips because mm-hmm. usually I, I do them. I go way out there. Yeah. Bobby's like, oh, I'm doing one this time. Yeah. But we should have like a little like music drop or something. Yeah. So <laughs> a little like, some little notes uh, that you know that we're getting ready to go on a side yeah, trip, like, which I think it's, it's it's important to do and it's easy to do because like we've established in our first couple episodes that everything is very kind of tied in yeah. and all the music industry kind of mingles together. So I felt like I needed to go back a little bit in order for everyone who doesn't know Doc's Riggs to... So you're going to do a, a bunch of name drops. Yeah, basically. Well, a little bit. All right. Well, I if, if, if you're a little light on name dropping... Okay, I'll, you're going to help? Second half, right. I'll drop a lot <laughs> of names. All right. And if you followed us on our first um, couple episodes, uh, we always joke that if you want to play this name drop oh, yeah. game, that you take a shot every time we name drop someone that's in the music business. Because sometimes our episodes can be quite um, heavy uh, well, yeah, with name the, dropping. Uh, the Chips Enough <laughs> yes. drinking game. Yes. Chips Enough from the band Enough's Enough, he name drops like crazy. Crazy, all the time. So have, enjoy yourself. Have a shot of alcohol. Or a sip of your whatever, wine or beer. All right. So um, originally, this album um, was meant to be the next album released under um, Dax's uh, other band, Dead Boy and the Elephant Men, um, before they disbanded in 2007. So they were recording this in early 2007. They split up. And then in August 2007, Dax decided that, you know what, I'm going to release it. So it's, you know, since he's the voice of it. Um, so you may be more common with Dax's previous sludge metal band, Acid Bath. Okay, I've heard of them. I remember Acid Bath um, specifically from the 90s um, because the cover of their album, When the Kite String Pops, because it, it was the illustrated image of Pogo the Clown, which was actually drawn by the known serial killer John Wayne Gacy at the time so and I'm not a fan of clowns at all (laughs) and then um, knowing that this is actually the image that they got the artwork from John Wayne Gacy um, it it, of course you know it stirred up quite controversy in the music world Um, but Pogo the Clown was um John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer's um, self-referred alter ego. Um, He also often worked as a clown, and that was one way for him to get near um, many of his young victims, which is very sad. But so that's why it has quite a controversy, or it did um, during that time. I remember there was some issues, and I think that's probably why I end up knowing who they were. But whatever. Um, so yeah, so that was his, um, first band was Acid Bath, which is a really great band if you want to check them out too. Um, a little bit harder than Dax's solo stuff, but still just as great. Um, another interesting fact about the vinyl version is the title, which is We Sing Only of Blood or Love, but on everything else, the title is We Only Sing of Blood and Love. So it's just kind of a... So only the vinyl has that. Now, was that purposeful or it was just a typo? I, I think it was just a typo. I don't <laughs> think it was purposeful, but I thought it was kind of funny that that happens. Um, yeah, um, I would describe the sound um, as having like hints of dark blues, rock, some heavy metal, and some psychedelic rock. Um, 
Dax's voice alone is, I find it very great. Um, it's raspy, blues-like, um, and he brings these styles together, I think, in a really unique sound. Uh, most of his stuff, I would definitely say he has his own special twist. I think there's a lot, like if you look back at Acid Bath or Dead Boy and the Elephant Man, I think that you can definitely tell that it's all Dax. But number one, he's the voice. But just the mixing style is definitely um, definitely his style. Um, so this album is actually on the really short side of with at the grand total running time of 38 minutes. It's got like... 16 songs. 16 tracks on yeah, it. Yeah, so 16 tracks with 30 minutes. So you're almost like, okay, is this like a, a Ramones or like <laughs> Ramones-esque type of um, songs where the songs are very short? But unlike the Ramones, the, the, the words of the lyrics are much darker. Um, you, mean, you mean a song like Dog-Headed Whore is yes, darker than Ramones? Absolutely. <laughs> but... So even though this um, album came out in 2007, I actually did not become familiar with it until about 2010. Um, I, I had kind of stopped following newer music for about 10 years or so, mostly due to having babies. Those kids, they took all my energy. So I kind of stepped so away from music a little for behind a little the bit. Curve. A little bit behind the curve, yeah. But as soon as I um, heard this album for the first time, I was hooked. Um, each song to me sounds like it's being sang like a dark poem. Um, a lot of times the songs and the song lyrics, I'm like, how did he know what my brain was thinking? So we must have very similar oh, maybe. dark, dark thinking. So he brings together like most of his songs are about death, love, Satan and mortality. Uh, the first song is called Demon Tied to a Chair in My Brain. And it has a few lines that I just really like. So those lines are, Mad shrieking woman, weep in my name. My skeleton is melting. My soul is in flame. Demon tied to a chair in my brain. I just really love that. <laughs> well, you know what? I, if you're going to quote lyrics, yeah. I'm going to quote lyrics in my Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you, you don't even have to look yours up, really, because you, can't, you, you have all of Alice I'm memorized. Gonna, I'm still going to read them from the sleeve. But I like I like his his songs because they they are they are short. Yeah. But the um, lyrics are pretty heavy and those little bit. You got any more samples have. for us? I do, and I'm going to tell yeah. you one in a minute. But I just wanted to give you some of those the other names of the um, songs just to kind of give you an idea of like where his where he is kind of thinking on this. Um, didn't know yet what I'd know when I was bleeding. Night is the notion. Radiation blues. The Terrors of Nightlife, A Spinning Song, Truth in the Dark, Living as Suicide, Forgot I Was Alive, Ghost Movement, Dog-Headed Horror, which you already mentioned. <laughs> That's great. The Wall of Death, Scarlet of Heaven Nor Hell, Death Bright, and Dream or Be Dead, which is actually only on the vinyl. So you'd have to have the vinyl to get that. But oh, wait, what, what song's only on the um, vinyl? Dream or Be Dead. Shit. Sorry, I was dropped Vince it. tries to drop my record. What was it again? Um, the last one. Oh, Dreamer Be mm -hmm. Dead. Okay. Yeah, that's the vinyl only has that one. I didn't. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, but, I didn't mess up your record. No, you didn't. But the record is really great um, aesthetically pleasing. And it's, the front, it has... It's nice heavyweight vinyl, too. It does. It is heavyweight. And has a fa um, just the mouth of someone on the cover. And their lips are very... 
Bloody. Bloody. She's little. Was she lippy? She's a little lippy. So a blood. Anyway, um, and then it does have the record and a nice picture sleeve of Dax looking really young. Yeah, gorgeous as ever. Um, the lyrics are really hard to read though on the other side for me. I don't know if it's for you. They're very small. They're written so the it's, words. It's a dark red on black. On black, so it's very hard, and they're like the font on them must be like I don't know six or something. It's really small, and it's like a typewriter font too. Yes, yeah, so so it's, it's very tiny, so it's very hard to read the lyrics. But all his lyrics you can find online as easy as one, two, three. Is typing it in. And you just hope they're right online. That is true. Cause that's something that annoys me. Like, Ugh. like you know the lyric to a song. Yeah. And you look up online, you're reading it, and you're like, yeah. like that shit ain't the lyric. That's true. Like, Where'd you come up with this crazy <laughs> crap? Um, well, I think this whole album is amazing. Uh, another favorite song of mine is called Ghost Movement. And some of the lyrics on that are, Gonna lay with a ghost by my side, let the birds take to the sky. Gonna try and drown or drink the river dry. May the ghost lay by my side. I just really like that song a lot. Um, so I was wanted to see if I could find some other reviews about this album. Um, and like I said, this album came out in 2007. Um, and when it did, it is his, his debut solo album. So I don't know if people's thoughts of him going solo was... Um, I guess maybe they, well, they were more negative than positive, but I think it's, I wonder if it's because they were so used to him being in bands like, um, you know, Acid Bath and Dead Boy (coughs) and Elephant Men and Agents of Oblivion's like his other albums. So I wonder, but, um, so I looked up and I found on the website Pitchfork, which does, uh, reviews for different things, but they specifically reviewed this album. And they had um, only given it about like a 5.7, which I thought that's... Out of 10? Yeah, that was not very good. But It's why you can't look at reviews. Right, or... exactly. And then what what he had said, the, specifically the, the contributor said to this, it says, he reviewed the album, um, but nothing on blood or love can stay on its feet for very long. Most of the album's songs seem hurried, rising up into squalls of fury, only to fizzle out and die around the two-minute mark. And so, as you can tell, I definitely don't agree with them. Yes, their songs are short, um, I, I but I think they, that's... I think they say they fizzle out. I think this person just used longer songs. Yeah. I think Dax's songs do what, do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, because they're... I mean, the lyrics are heavy, but the songs are short. And I think you can you can do that if it's done right. And to me, I think it's it's pleasing to my ears and it, it does what it's supposed to do. Um, so, of course, I don't agree with them. Um, I think they can suck it. You know, I think this. I can't uh, <laughs> stand a critic. Man, no. like, like they always like the old saying goes, those who can do those who can. Right. Well, they and used so, to say those who can teach. So I think this album's amazing, but as you always say, Vince, and we're trying to... Everyone's fun is different? Yes, everyone's fun is different, so we're trying to stick with that. But I, mean, I personally really like it. I, I love the darker, the better for me. Um, that's, but, but, you know... Uh, that's just how I, how I think. Everyone's fun is different is, is much better than my old saying. Which was? If you disagree with me, you can go fuck yourself. That is true. 
I'm so not, yeah. I've mellowed out my old age. Oh, you have. My old age. Uh, I just had a birthday a couple days you ago. You did. Oh, happy birthday mm. to Vince. But one other thing that makes me, of course, love Dax and love this album probably even more. But I on June 16th in 2015, um, I got to see him at the 8x10 in Baltimore, Maryland as an uh, unplugged show. Yeah. So, and it was, it was like a Tuesday night. So like no one was hardly there. Um, I, I went with another girlfriend of mine and it, he was, he did a performance um, with the other band that was there was called Foghound. I think you've seen, you asked me that CD, pulled it out one day and you're like, who is this? Yeah, we, yeah. That's them. That's okay. Foghound. So who I think they're really cool. Um, kind of rocky, <laughs> southerny, blues rock. It's always really depressing when you go see a good artist and there's like uh-huh. no one there. Yeah. Like, like my friend Kira and I went one time and mm-hmm. saw Dan Reed of Dan Reed Network. Yeah. I mean, it was up in New Holland, PA, middle of nowhere. The venue, it was a bar. It had been an old movie theater at one point. Oh, it was a really okay. nice venue, but now mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a farmer's market now. But Dan Reed, he lives in um, Portugal, I believe now. Okay. So he came over and did like a handful of East mm-hmm. Coast U.S. shows, solo acoustic. Oh, that's fun. And so it was like a Wednesday night, it was raining, and it was like five people there. Yeah. And he's massively talented, and it was, he, you know, he still put on a show like it was a room full of people, not just five people. That's good. Yeah, and that's how, like, Dax was. I mean, it, I mean, he's, you know, a solo performer, so mm. he was up on stage on a stool playing his guitar, and he just has that really raspy voice and his songs and he played and it was it was wonderful i was um i stood right up front yeah trying not to be too too much of that weirdo just like you know staring at all at him because there it wasn't that many people in there but i was just like oh my gosh because i think he's really underrated i think he could be i don't know i just think his writing style and his music style i mean clearly he's you know pretty good at music he's been in so many bands with that are pretty great i mean a lot of them didn't last too long but some other reasons but it was a great night that night just to see him there and i went down i remember he was selling t-shirts and it wasn't like his publicist or some merchandiser marketer it was dax like i went up and i so wanted to say more to him but i was just like uh, take a shirt, please. And I just want to be like, oh my God, I love you. I'm like, you're great. You know. I've seen I've seen a few artists like that. Like Dan Reed, it was yeah. just him. No one else. Oh, I love that. I, and, just, I just feel like that gives them so much more cred. Like that makes yeah. them seem humble and like they're, they're not like above us. And years ago, ooh, I can't, 12, 10 years ago, probably 12, more 12. Mm-hmm. Kieran and I went in Philly to North Star Bar, which isn't there anymore. Um, Rob Dickinson, who was the singer for Catherine Wheel, mm-hmm. he was touring his first solo record. He was doing an acoustic tour. Yeah. And we were way, we got there way too early, which led to me drinking way too much. Oh. But um, Rob came in the front door, and the security guy stopped him. Oh, because he, he thought he was just somebody else. Yeah. And was oh, like, that's he great. He stopped me, like, did the hand on yeah, his yeah. chest shit. And he was like, who are you? And he looked down for the years. I'm the band. Yeah. It was just him and his guitar. You that's know, so awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, I was at the bar when um, Dax, I had noticed like he had like walked. And like I said, it was so small. It was a Tuesday night. Yeah. I think there was like maybe four people at the bar and like people hadn't even come to see the show yet. Yeah. And he, I just was like, he walked by, but Dax is very famous for always wearing sunglasses. So it was kind of like, is that 
ducks or not, but yeah, you'll see. It was, and it was a great night. But so since this release, this came out in 07, since then he has had one other um, album release um, called Say Goodnight to the World, which that came out in 2010. Which is also another great album. I really like that. It's been that long since you had an album? Yes. So that's what I'm saying. So uh, that was 2010. So that's 11 years ago. So the chatter on on the internet that when I was looking up, um, you know, here getting some information, is that there's talks that he's coming in concert soon. And there was originally there was talks that when Corona was over that he was probably going to come back out. Well. That ended, it said, because the beginning of 2021, and there has not been any talks since then. So, but far as I know, he's he's still living in Louisiana, um, recording his stuff, and I guess he'll come do some shows. Acid bath reunion. I, that's not going to happen because the one of the guys is actually dead. But um, <laughs> <laughs> has that ever stopped a band? That is true. It has never stopped a band. But I mean, come on, the Eagles are touring. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And yeah. Glenn Fry's dead. But so hopefully he's going to be doing some more stuff. I know he's definitely out there. And I know from the chatter on the internet, there's definitely things happening in the world, but nothing specific, like nothing on his website that says that. Um, um, I actually didn't check his Instagram, but, you know, but, you know, if you go on there and I know for one thing that I'm getting it when I go onto his website and when I ordered, I didn't think I was getting it like from like you know him or from whoever but when i got ordered my stuff and it all came everything came signed i got a sticker signed (laughs) and i was just like i was on top of the world i was like i didn't order all this but this is fucking awesome like (laughs) i will take it all so i do have to give him a shout out for that so i think what's his website um daxrigs.com there you go yeah so go and check it out and support him it'd be great a lot of his things that are on there i know are sold out right now but there are some other things that he has up, like some shirts and posters and stuff. But some of his music you can still find. I have tried to find the one album that I did not have, which was one of the Dead Boy and Elephant Men albums, and I couldn't find it. I could only find one on Discogs that somebody was selling from like over in Europe for like 56 bucks. So that was... So I'm a little bummed that I don't have it. So I'm hoping I will find it out and about in the I, world. We, but, probably, we probably won't find it out and about. I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Dax will send me a copy. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> I yeah, can be we'll, hopeful. We'll just, we'll just make sure when we put this... Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll tag them. We, yeah, we'll we, when we post about this on Instagram, we'll um, tag Dax Riggs in it. Yeah, yeah, Maybe absolutely. he'll read it and be like... Maybe he'll be like, wow, a female fan. I didn't know there was that many out there. I, I didn't know. know there was one. <laughs> no. I'm sure. He's so good looking. There's got to be lots of women out there that are like kind of swoon over him, I think. And he has that. You know, you know, a male musician doesn't have to be good looking to make a lady swoon. That is true. There's, there's some ugly dudes out there getting... Well, that's, that is, that's really true. But, I mean, to me... He's got the voice. He can write some dark stuff. And he's good looking. So, sounds good to me. Alright, you're starting to swoon. I am swooning. But now I'm finished with mine. So, hopefully you guys will check Dax out. Check out his music. I think he's really underrated. I think you will enjoy him. Um, It's not very often we throw a shout out to someone else or plug their stuff. But make sure you check out DaxRigs.com. That's right. 
check it out and check out his uh, music. You can find it uploaded on YouTube and all that too. Yeah. And in just a moment, I will continue on with our Day of the Dead special with Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare. <laughs> Do my witch's cackle. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, it would be really awesome if you are enjoying the podcast for you <laughs> to head over to bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com mm-hmm. and check out our eBay store. We've got records and CDs and movies. Shirts. A few shirts left. A few shirts. Uh, we've got some posters up now, mm-hmm. a bunch of cassettes. Um some cool stuff up there, and most of it's only five bucks. I try to be reasonable with the prices on that. Um, we also have a T Public shop up with yes. T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. Yep. Anything we could slap our logo on, we slapped it on. We sure did, and we're hoping to be able to slap it on more places. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, do that. You know, like you said, you know. Hit like, subscribe, follow. If you have maybe an album or a record that you want to recommend to us and we can check out, yeah, do so and we'll check it out. And I mean, your friend uh, Eric recommended an artist, uh-huh, which true. we're going to do eventually. Uh-huh. We used to have a long list of people we want to get to. It's um, true. It's like, you know, putting in a request song for a DJ. Yeah. You didn't. You might get to it. You might not. We hope to. But I mean, <clears throat> we have a long list. <laughs> you know, if we can stip stip, wow. If we can stick to our schedule of two episodes yes. a month, we'll get to some stuff eventually. And our goal for that is to hopefully for the new year get on an actual schedule. Yeah. So we'll get there in so plenty of time. If you actually like listening to us, you can be like, oh, it's the fifteenth. Yes. They're going to have a new episode out today. Absolutely. Instead of listening to episodes and going, when they have another one. Yeah. So we're trying. We're, mm-hmm. tr- we're, we're, we're learning as we go. We're growing, which is positive. I guess. I mean, yeah. Um, so that is bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com for all the social media links, all the purchasing links, all the links where you can look, check us out. <laughs> All that fun stuff. And now with further ado. No, with no further ado. With no further ado. Oh, you want further ado? I oh, know, no this further. Po- this podcast can go on forever. <laughs> no further ado. It is I, Vince, with my Day of the Dead record. Yes. Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare. And Good old Alice. Good old Alice. I mean, a lot of people, they always think that Alice Cooper has always been a solo artist. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. As I learned last <coughs> night. Originally, Alice and a couple other guys in the original Alice Cooper lineup had a band called The Spiders. Mm, I love them. I learned my last night. They just released a single. They were, they're like a garage rock band oh, in 66. Fantastic. Fantastic. Very. I really like that style of the garage sound in the 60s. Vince played it for me and he's like, okay, smarty pants, who is this? And I was like, I have no idea. And 
He's like, this is Alice Cooper's first band. And I was completely shocked. Had no idea. And then in um, 67, uh, I forget the name of a guitar player. He left and was replaced with Michael Bruce. Mm -hmm. And they called themselves the Naz. And it was a little more psychedelic. A little more, definitely, of the time period. Yeah. I, I have to say, I really like that first band, though, that yeah. first spider sound. But they had to change their name because Todd Rundgren had yes. a band called The Naz at the same time. What is The Naz? I have no idea. That That's what we should look m- up. Multiple Why? people had the name yeah. The Naz. We should look that up. If you weren't eating Ben and Jerry's, oops, I shouldn't give a plug to them. But anyway, if you weren't eating ice cream while I'm talking, you could look it up. I'm sorry, I gotta feed. I gotta. I gotta crave it, and I gotta feed it. All right. So, so they were on a hunt for another name, and eventually they came up with the name Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And they had their um, classic lineup, which was Michael Bruce and Glenn Buxton on guitars, Dennis Dunaway on bass. Neil Smith on drums and mm-hmm. Vincent Fernier on vocals. Mm-hmm. And they were called Alice Cooper. But everyone kept referring to the singer, like, hey, Alice, hey, Alice, hey, Alice. And he was like, oh, oh me. Oh, you mean me? <laughs> so Vince Fernier became Alice Cooper. For this, He was the singer for the band Alice Cooper, which is not confusing at all. But what were you going to say? Oh, no, no. I was just going to... I looked up really quick. Yeah. Naz. Yeah. So the Naz actually means fool. It is taken from the book A Clockwork Orange. Oh. I had no idea. Well, there you go. Yeah. It was also used... Um, David Bowie used it on Ziggy Stardust. means like the hippest. Hmm. Most magnetic of beings. Interesting. It's very interesting. Anyway, so... There okay. So, so the classic Alice Cooper lineup... Mm-hmm. They signed with Frank Zappa's um, label, and in sixty nine seventy, released. I think it was sixty nine seventy, or was it seventy seventy one? Anyway, not gonna get bogged down. Nope. Keep moving. But those first two albums are called "Pretties for You" and "Easy Action." A little more weird and psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And Al said they were. Alice Cooper, the man, said at one point that they're the only band that could have jammed with Pink Floyd at the time. Yes. He said, if you put them in a room with Led Zeppelin, they would have had no idea what to do. <laughs> so funny. those two first two Alice Cooper albums are really weird, psychedelic albums. And no one bought them. Mm-hmm. So, and everyone in Los Angeles couldn't stand them. They were opening for the doors one night. Oh, wow. And... I could see that. And Alice was um on stage, and most of the audience left. Oh. Mm. So they drove but, away the Doors audience, but which, they were in, they were friends with the Doors. Yeah, that's kind of funny to me because I think it when we listened to it last night, I even said that this yeah. reminds me very much of like um, who did I say? Oh, I don't know. Oh. I Jefferson Airplane. Oh yeah, I see, the kind of the style reminded me of the Mamas yeah. and the Papas. Jefferson, like very stylistic of that time period. So it's kind of shocking to me yeah. that um, that they didn't like it because I think it sounds as from the time. Yeah. So, so there were, thanks. No one was buying the albums. No one liked them in Los Angeles. So they went to Detroit, hmm. which is where Alice was born. Mm-hmm. So they started playing shows in New York. In uh, New York. In Detroit with um, MC5 oh, and the Stooges. Nice. So they were all playing on the same bills, those three bands. Mm-hmm. And so when 
the Alice Cooper group were playing in New York at Max's Kansas City, and um, a young record producer named Bob Ezra and Solom, mm-hmm. who was at this time, I don't think he actually hadn't produced anything yet. He was an apprentice or an assistant engineer okay. or something for that for Jack mm-hmm. Rickards, Richardson in Canada. And so he saw him, he was like, there's something here. He said, there's some energy. And then this song, I really like it. I love this song. It's called I'm Edgy. I love it. So he met the band afterward. And he was like, he's like, I really want to work with you guys. I love the song you have. I love I'm Edgy. And he said they all just looked at him blankly. Mm -hmm. And then he realized the song he was talking about was I'm 18. (laughs) So he went back to his boss. Um, Jack Richardson and was like, we got to work with these guys. You got to work. Yeah. And Jack was like, no. And no. Funny. He was like, if you think they're so great, why don't you work with them? So Bob was like, you know, young, eager mm-hmm. to prove himself. And he was like, okay. So they all went out to a barn in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Bob was like, you guys have something here, but you need to tear it all down and start from scratch again. Oh, wow. So he worked with them and became essentially the sixth member of Alice Cooper group. Oh, funny. And the first album they did together was called Love at the Death. Mm-hmm. And that featured the massive hit, 18, I'm 18. Mm-hmm. So that album was a huge hit for them. That's awesome. And they did, they had more hit albums, Killer, mm-hmm. School's Out. Yep. And the number one, 1973's Billion Dollar Babies. And the hit singles, they had 18, No More Mr. Nice Guy, School's Out, Elected, Under My Wheels. Just tons and tons Tons of hits. Yeah, and most of those songs we still sing yeah. to this day and listen to. And it's, it's funny because like they would craft these like com- these radio singles, yeah. but yet the albums still had really weird experimental mm-hmm. stuff hmm. like "Halo of Flies" and the title track "A Killer." And it just it's just funny that they would like have these two sides of the band. Yeah, like in the stage show was like starting to develop the snake and the gu- guillotine and the yeah. gallows, and they had um on one. Tour Alice had a giant toothbrush and he was terrorized by a giant uh, dancing tooth <laughs> for the song Unfinished Sweet. That's so funny. So, you know, a lot of people like, assume a band has theatrics, they don't have the yeah. songs, but the Alice Cooper group, they knew we've got the songs yeah, to we back this up. So they, so they, you know, yeah. they explode. And then, you know, like I said, they had the number one album full of billion dollar babies, which the title track was a duet with um, Donovan. Hmm. And so when I got to 73 and they were working on the Billion Dollar Baby's follow-up, Muscle of Love. Mm-hmm. You know, what, Ezra and what is he talking about? Billion Dollar Babies? No, Muscle of Love. Oh. <laughs> oh, please. I think I'm talking about his love gun. Love. Oh, yeah. Um, and pff, I go on about, I, I might have to save Kiss's love gun for an episode, too. Uh-huh. I think that's just going to be have to be a whole anthology. Oh, God. I mean, Love Gun's the greatest song about a penis ever written. Mm. It's pretty good. Um, but anyway, so during the sessions for Muscle of Love, like Ezra would come in and say to the band, um, how about we change this and that? And they were like, no, we kind of like it the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I say the band, I mean the musical members, not Alice Cooper, vocalist. Mm. And they didn't want to do theatrics anymore. Oh, really? And so Alice was like, well, what's the point? And so they said, okay, okay, we're all going to take breaks from each other and we're going to work on solo records. Mm-hmm. And the record label was like, oh, fuck, our cash cow. Yeah. So, I mean, so they finished the Muscle of Love record. Um, Jack Richardson and Jack Douglas produced it. 
didn't do as well mm-hmm. as Billy Ali. So, record labels, they threw out Alice Cooper's Greatest Hits to, you know, get some money back. So, Alice Cooper, the singer, and Bob Ezrin started working on Alice's solo album. Okay. Which was going to be entitled Welcome to My Nightmare. And it came out in March of 1975 on Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. And he, he meaning Bob Hezrin, had come up with uh, quite a backing band for Alice for this album. It included guitarist Dick Wagner, who also did play on the Billion Dollar Babies record also. Um, <coughs> Sorry. Dick was a member of the late 60s band Frost. Okay. And before... Just prior to Welcome to Nightmare, he played on Lou Reed's Berlin and Rock and Roll Animal albums. And he also would go on to play with Peter Gabriel and Tim Curry. Yeah. And would ghost play, uncredited, on Aerosmith's Train Kept a Rollin', uh, Kiss's Destroyer album. And he also had played on the previous Alice Cooper album, Muscle of Love. Oh. And also joining Dick was guitarist Steve Hunter, who had also played in... Lou Reed's okay, band yeah. on Berlin and Rock and Animal. And he also did ghost playing of Aerosmith. Wow. And he was a member of Dr. John's band. So as we have said in previous episodes. It's all inbred. It's all, <laughs> we said we weren't going to use that term. Well, it's all interconnected. Well, and, and the bass player, Prakash John, had mm-hmm. also played of Lou Reed mm-hmm. and Funkadelic. Okay. So, I mean, so you can tell that pretty much Bob Ezrin just... Because he produced some Blu-ray records after he got famous doing the Alice Cooper records. Yeah. And obviously he just plucked the band from Lou Reed's yeah. records for Alice's solo band. Huh. And also featured on bassist Tony Levin, who played of Chuck Mangione, and Carly Simon and Don McLean. And he's also a member of King Crimson. Okay. Now. And you had drummer Johnny, I'm going to butcher his last name, and I'm sorry, but Dan Jack who played with Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels and Edgar Winter Group. Looks good to me. And then you also had drummer Whitey Gland, who played with John Kay of Steppenwolf and... And? Lou Reed. And Lou Reed. And special guest on this album uh-huh. was Vincent Price as the curator. Well, well, well. So, Welcome to Nightmare, it's um, a concept album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about this boy named Stephen... And it's all about his nightmare. Okay. And it features um, some spoken word parts by um, Alice and Vincent Price. And since Bobby um, read some lyrics in her half, I'm going to read some lyrics. Okay, goody. And I'm going to read some lyrics from the song Cold Ethel. Cold Ethel. And when I read these lyrics, you can tell me what this song is about. Okay. One thing I miss is Cold Ethel and her skeleton kiss. We met last night making love by the refrigerator light. And then it goes down. Oh, Ethel, Ethel, come and freeze me with your charms. One thing, no lie. Ethel's frigid as an Eskimo pie. She's cool in bed. She ought to be because Ethel's dead. Nice. It's a little bit of necromancy. Yeah. If I live to 97, you'll still be waiting in refrigerator heaven because you're cool, you're ice, cold Ethel, you're my paradise. <laughs> I mean, it could it could sound like, I mean, if it didn't say um, the one part where he's like, you know, I met you by the refrigerator light, 
Yeah. And then you're cold as ice. I was like, is he having sex with a food product? Like a frozen food product? <laughs> oh, interesting. And so who wrote that song? That was Alice and Bob Ezrin wrote that. So weird. There's some great lyrics on here. Some very interesting lyrics. And then, then there's like, in the song, some folks... Some folks love to see red. Some folks never talk about it. Some folks crave a blue lady. Some folks know and still they doubt it. Menstrual cycle? I think it's more corpse fucking. Oh. A blue lady? Oh. oh, blue lady. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at first I was like, I don't want to talk about red, like menstrual cycle. And then I was but like, just, oh. But it's just funny that he wrote like songs about... Well, right, and then that that this during this time period, nineteen seventy five, yeah, that nobody. Well, it's gonna about get it's about to okay. get really. It's gonna get juicy. It's about to get weirder. Oh, here in a second. Oh, goody. So, I will get to it in the first. Okay. But the album reached number five on the U.S. Billboard two hundred albums chart. Oh. So it sold really well, and there was three singles released from the album, and they were all edited down uh-huh. from the album versions. You had the Welcome to Nightmare title track. The single edit was 2 minutes and 44 seconds, while the album version is 5 minutes and 19 seconds. Wow. And then the, the track Only Women Bleed mm-hmm. was released as a single called Only Women. Okay. And it was 3 minutes and 29 seconds, cut down from 5 minutes and 49 seconds. Interesting. And the song Department of Youth was... Two minutes and 50 seconds cut down from three minutes and 18 seconds. And I got to say, all of these single edits. Yeah. Usually I find single edits interesting. Yeah. These are fucking terrible. So they basically took the song and cut half of it out? Yeah. So they were hoping to get more radio airplay the shorter the song because programmers could squeeze it in. Yeah, I guess so. But it 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 just ruins these songs. But at the same time, at the same time period, you also have songs like Leonard Skinner and uh, Led Zeppelin and um, Pink Floyd, who are all having well, these super take, long songs. Well, take it up with Atlantic Records. I oh, am. Yeah, I'm going to call them up. So, yeah, they, these single edits are just, they're just horrendous. I mean, this was... The fame time period 75. of like, of, yeah, of like jam bands yeah, yeah. and you think, long songs. Yeah, this is when disc guys used to like long songs. Right. They go snort some coke with the record label yeah, rap. Right. Absolutely. Or bang a groupie. Whatever. You know. So in so the album came out in March of seventy five. The next month, on April twenty fifth, ABC TV aired The Nightmare, a television special featuring Alice and Vincent Price, which brought the songs from the album to life, but with sanitized alternate versions for TV. Because so I guess network TV wasn't ready for songs about corpse fucking. I like how the sanitized. sanitized. Yeah. <laughs> there was a reissue of Welcome to Nightmare on CD. I feel what year it came out to have it. They, use, they have three of the alternate TV versions as bonus tracks. Uh-huh. <sighs> Funny. They're worse than the single edits. Because you have the album itself. It's this brilliant conceptual piece. Yeah. And then you you, you start desecrating it with these horrible single yeah. edits, these alternate versions for TV. And it's just, oh, it's just horrible. Sorry, I'm going to open my drink really quick because okay. I'm really thirsty. All right. Okay. Okay. 
So the <laughs> Nightmare was released on VHS in 1983, and it was nominated for a Grammy for Best Long Form Video. Interesting. Even though the the special was made in 1975. Huh. And it lost the Grammy. I don't know who it lost to. Okay. And then also in 1976, mm-hmm. a concert film that shot during the Welcome to the Nightmare tour at Wembley Arena in London was oh. released. Oh. And on eBay, people have the um, theatrical poster for the tour film, and I would love to have one. How much? One more than I'm willing to pay for a poster. Oh. I'm just saying. Oh, you're look. Is that like a hint? You would love to have I'm one. Just saying, I won't pay for it. I'm just. Bobby. I'm just saying. If the podcast ever makes us money. Oh, I I'm I just, will buy you all the posters of Alice you would like. All right, because there's a really cool one they have with Wayne Barrett now from. <laughs> Alice Cooper's Flush the Fashion album from 1980. Uh, it's a yeah. really nice promotional poster. Is that is that your favorite time period? He has a favorite Alice time oh period. Oh, my God. I should do a whole episode on uh, the, Alice calls them the Blackout albums. Yeah. This is 80 to 83. Yeah. When he was totally messed up on, messed coke. Up on coke and alcohol. That's he, Vince's favorite And he says period. he doesn't remember most of those albums. Yeah. And he said... A couple years ago in interviews, I listened to him again. Said, There's some pretty good stuff on there. I should re-record it. No, you shouldn't. Because it's, <laughs> do it. it's the dope that probably made those songs interesting. <laughs> those are some, there's some, those albums are Flush to Fashion, Special Forces, Zipper Catches Skin, and Dada. And Ezra, Paul Bezer came back and produced Dada. And they're just, they're just weird. Some Alice Cooper fans, there's two camps when it comes to the Blackout oh, yeah, albums. Okay. Ones that love the shit out of them, uh-huh. which like is me, you, right? and other ones that it's the worst shit Alice has ever made. Oh, okay. And they're wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're just wrong if you think that. I mean, not every song there is a gem. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, that's with every band, though. But there's some really great stuff really in there. There's some great stuff. In there. I've seen, I mean, like, I was never, like, a super huge Alice fan. I always grew up listening to, you know, different Alice stuff from, you know, my dad had or you would hear on the radio or something like that. And, but knowing that you're such a big fan and then when you played me the spiders, I have, I'm like, there is a really great stuff out there. See, people, unfortunately in America, Alice is pigeonholed as this one one thing. And I agree with you and that's why I said, I was like, I would have no idea. he's made so so many different types of albums. Yeah. For good or bad, I mean, I haven't been a fan of the last couple albums, mm-hmm. Detroit Stories, yeah. which has Johnny Badanjek playing drums mm-hmm. on it, and Ezra produced it. I'm not a fan of that record. I think I think it's too long. Okay. And I didn't particularly care for the one before it, Paranormal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. I still, I'm still, I'm going, oh, I hate Alice Cooper because these albums aren't any good. For a dude that's in his 70s, right. they're pretty good albums. But compared to the rest of his catalog, no. Yeah. I mean, hey, he's still rocking it. Yeah. And I wish I was kind of bummed we didn't get to see him this year. But Yeah. I See, I, I saw him, I think I told you, I saw him with um, with the Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Whatever that tour was called. Mm-hmm. But I saw him on that, and I, I was pretty impressed with him at that point. I saw him for the first time back in 1990 on the Trash is the World tour at the Tower Theater in Upper Darby. It was March... I want to say it was March 10th, 1990. Mm-hmm. I saw him then, and then I saw... I didn't see him again till 2000 in Atlantic City on the Brutal Planet tour. Then I saw him again in 2001 on the Dragon Town tour. 
Let's see. Then I saw another tour. I can't remember what year it was at the um, House of Blues in Atlantic City. And I think the last... No, then I saw him again with Heaven and Hell and Queensryche in Reading, PA. Uh-huh. And the last time I saw him... Oh, God, it's up somewhere in northeastern PA. I can't remember what town it's in. That was about four years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um... But the thing is, when he tours the U.S., I usually don't like who he tours with. Yeah. But overseas, he'll, he'll tour with like the Mission, MC50. Oh. And he's do- he, he did um, some shows with the Stranglers. Yeah. And he's doing a European tour next year with Michael Monroe opening. Hmm. This, I saw him. So it was the Masters of Madness tour. Okay. Which was the 2013. So, and that was with Alice and Marilyn. That was really, was... yeah, I gotta say it was really creative of Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. Be called Marilyn Manson and have a band called Marilyn Manson mm-hmm. and then go solo mm-hmm. and still call himself Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. That's pretty creative. That's very creative. Yeah. You should have a song called I'm 19. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty yeah. good show. And so. Yes. Alice and Bob Ezrin continued on for another two albums. Uh-huh. After Rockin' My Nightmare, 1976's Go to Hell. I'm sorry, not Go to Hell. Alice Cooper Goes to Hell, and 1977's Lace and Whiskey. And then they ain't work again until... Which is one of your faves. I do love Lace and Whiskey. I've got like two copies. Yeah, because I two. bought you a copy. Yeah, and then I found another one. I've had a couple copies. Yeah, you found a copy. They're just different. I have different different face labels on them and yep. different inserts. Anyway. In 2011... Welcome to My Nightmare 2 was released. Or as the title was called, Welcome Number 2, My Nightmare. Oh, uh, okay. Which is kind of like... And there was like various like... versions that have different bonus tracks on mm-hmm. it. But, you know, Ezra produced that one again. And it featured guest appearances by Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, along with original Alice Cooper group members, Michael Bruce, Den- Dennis Dunaway, and Neil Smith. Rob Zombie replacing Vincent Price as the curator. Oh. And then John Five, Vince Gill, and... Vince Gill? Yeah. Like the country singer? Yep. The guitar player. He was originally a guitar player. Oh. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on what band he played with. Yeah. So, uh, but, he, he, but yeah, he'd been, he'd been a guitar player. I can't remember the name of the band. He was a guitar player, then left that and went solo oh. and became a singer. But now he's also a guitar player in the Eagles now. That I can see more. Yeah. What did he do here with Alice? He played guitar on a song called Runaway Train. Oh, I was going to say, I could see him with he, the Eagles, but yeah. seeing him with Alice, yeah. I don't know. And, well, if you can't see Vince Gill with Alice, Kesha is on the album, too. Okay. Go ahead, Kesha. She's the devil. Nice. On it. Okay. And, what well, you know, it's, it's funny with, like, Long My Nightmare 2... It begins as a sequel to Welcome to My Nightmare, but it kind of morphs into a sequel of Alice Cooper Goes to Hell. Oh, okay. Which is kind of weird, but and it charted at number twenty-two in the U.S. Okay. Didn't do, you know, didn't mm. chart as high as the predecessor, right. but for someone this that far into their career, yeah, that's still true. Chart at twenty-two. It's not bad. No. Yeah, and Alice is still out there. I mean, it's, making albums. Yeah, and it's helping him have time and money to go play, play golf yeah 
<laughs> and his golf attire. That and He has his own golf line, doesn't he? Oh, I don't know. I think he has his own golf clothing line. <laughs> I feel like that. I'll have to look it up. But, you know, so as Bob Ezra got his start producing Alice Cooper. Okay. And he went on to produce many, many... Bigger bands. Yeah. And not so big bands. But some of the bands he produced were Kiss. Okay. Okay. Lou Reed. All right. Pink Floyd. Okay. Taylor Swift. Wow. Peter Gabriel. Oh, so he's doing well. Jane's Addiction. Uh, okay. The Throbs. The Throbs? Yeah. No one bought that record. Oh. They had two albums. I thought they were really good. Yeah. I mean, they'll still play once in a while mm-hmm. in New York. But their bass player, yeah, we saw him because he plays with Faster Pussycat now, mm-hmm. Slim Tender. Okay, and he was the one singing the Super Suckers cover they did. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and 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 Mr. Bob Ezrin also produced one of our favorites. Yeah, that we have to mention every episode of the podcast. Every episode. Every episode. Okay, and that is yes. Sir Rod Stewart. Good old Rod. Yeah, he, he is making his entrance in almost in every single one yeah. of our podcast episodes. Yeah. Yeah, well, we were, I hope he knows how much he's loved. We were in, um, uh, I forget what store we were. No, it was one of the antique stores we were in the other day. And um, is the one where the woman ran to the back the ad, oh, when yes. I was back looking at music yes look at some she CD. thought you were questionable characters. yeah so she came back like she was like dicking around some dvds i'm like i see what you're doing i'm watching you and she like kept looking over her shoulder mm-hmm. and then i moved around she went back to the front anyway Anywho. anyway they had a copy of the faces yeah uh what is what was that one you called you did what was it called a wink is as good as a nod, a nod to a blind... To a blind horse. Yeah. Yeah. Then a, be a copy of that for 13 bucks. Wow. And I was like, I was going to open it and see if the poster was in it. Oh, my God. But she probably would have lost her fucking mind if I opened oh, it. Oh, yeah, she probably would have. Because they, the, they had them all bagged, the records, and then had them taped shut. I was really excited that other week. Uh, this week, going to Rod. See, this is what happens, Rod. But when we found that Small Faces but album, but yeah. it was um, destroyed. So bomb, which I, I was really, really hopeful because I was like, "Oh my gosh, I never see one of these out." Yeah. And well, and then we, this and the antique place next door to that one mm-hmm. where they didn't follow me around. Upstairs, they had a bunch of records. They had um, they had a uh, the Forever Young twelve inch single, mm. yeah, which had like a remix and not album track on the mm-hmm. B side. They went twenty bucks for it. Oh. I'm like, I said, like, I'm not paying twenty dollars for a Rod Stewart single. Yeah. I did see the seven inch of it today, and it was fifty cents. Hmm. But there you go. There's Rod coming into Rod our. Rod has to be. We have. Oh, and the um, Rod Stewart album that Bob Ezrin produced uh-huh. features the single "Love Touch." Yeah. From the film Legal Eagles. Okay. And this song was not produced by Bob Ezrin. Interesting. And it was the lead single from the album. And I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I have the promo 12-inch of Love Touch. Mm-hmm. And the, it's like a white cover and has Rod's logo really big. Yeah. And it says, it says, taken from the upcoming Bob Ezrin produced album, blah, blah, blah. Lo- and then it says, Love Touch. Then it says, produced by da 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 Oh, that's funny. It's like you make a big deal out of 
Bob Ezrin yeah. producing it, and then you release a non-Bob Ezrin song as the single. That's funny. But we we could ramble on about Ron. We could, as uh, we usually As we usually do. Yes. So we're going to bring this in. Yes. And end it. Um, we hope you learned something. Yeah, I mean, you had to Some, learn a little bit about something. each band. Hope, and go check it out. And, and you and, learned that there will never be an acid bath reunion. Oh, no. I mean, I guess there mm. technically could. Yeah. But could be. Could be. We learned I don't, that, I don't think so. We learned that network television doesn't like songs about corpse fucking. Evidently not. I don't understand, but whatever. And be sure to check out bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com yes. for all of our links so you can yes. like, subscribe, follow, give 8 million star reviews to <laughs> say you can't live without this podcast. Yes, please. And well, hopefully we're going to be, you know, like I said, we're, we're still in the new stage, early stages and we're looking to expand, change, add some things. We're going to be consistent is what yeah, we're going to be. Consistent is, is going to be the first that's step. The, we're going to try the first and 15th of every month. Yes, yes. We're, that's going to be we're our consistent. try to get podcasts out on those. So two episodes a month. Yes. That way, you know, you don't have to try to remember. Hey, hey buddy. One of the cats just jumped up here and with us. And joined us. Um, so you don't have to worry about worry like you're worrying, but wonder when we're going to put another mm-hmm. one out. Because I know if we're not consistent, you forget about us. Yes. Don't forget about us. Don't you forget about me. Don't say any more lyrics. I'm not. Or we'll have to um, pay for them. I know. So that's it, everybody. Thank you. Make sure you come back on the 15th. This is the next episode. Goodbye.